It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. Welcome to the Julia Hartley Brewer Daily. If you missed any of my talk radio breakfast show, don't worry. We've put some of the punchiest bits of this morning's show into a bite-sized podcast, the Julia Hartley Brewer Daily. Enjoy. And let's talk to David Gork now, former Justice Secretary, of course, but before that he was a former Chief Secretary to the Treasury. Good morning to you. Good morning, Julia. Good morning. Your reaction to the Bank of England decision this morning uh, to cut interest rates by half a percent down to 0.25%. Yeah, not altogether surprised, I think, for them to wait until the next scheduled meeting, which I think is the 26th of March, quite a long time in the current circumstances. And, you know, it is important that uh, every lever is pulled. We're going to go through a pretty tumultuous few months for the economy um, and so monetary support, it's not just the interest rates, but I think it's also the fact that there clearly sort of some encouragement for further lending you know, changing some of the rules about uh, how banks operate will make it easier for, for businesses to get the credit that they're going to need over a period of time when their cash flow is going to be many of them is going to see their cash flow right down. Um, now, you, of course, were involved in, you know, in budget preparations before. Of course, uh, uh, you're one of your successors, the Chief Secretary of the Treasury, now the Chancellor, just at a few weeks' notice. Um, that's a pretty difficult ask of anyone anyway, given how much preparation goes in to budgets. But with this constantly changing scene, uh, not just over what happened with Brexit, but changing scene uh, over the coronavirus now, the possibility of uh, I mean, this oil price uh, crash and, and massive economic turmoil ahead... Um, what do you think is going on behind the scenes in the Treasury? Obviously, the documents will all be printed now. It's all set in stone right now. Uh, but in terms of what will have changed in the last few weeks as a result of the coronavirus fears? Yeah, I, I think the budget will have fundamentally changed. And normally, the first budget in a parliament is the big opportunity for a government to set out its store, what it's going to do over the next four or five years. To some extent, there'll still be plenty of that. And clearly, they're briefing about the infrastructure spending that's going to occur in this parliament. But, but in truth, this budget is about the coronavirus. And it is about the short-term measures to help the economy get through the next few months when you know it is likely that large parts of the country are going to be 
you know, more or less locked down, that, that we're going to see you know, substantial changes to the way that we live for a relatively short period of time. And the hope is that this doesn't cause any long-term damage to the economy, that the economy can bounce back, as it, as it usually does after a pandemic of this sort, mm-hmm. historically. Um, but there is a role in this budget to ensure that those businesses and those individuals who are likely to be heavily affected by the extraordinary circumstances we're about to go through get through this period you know, relatively unharmed economically. Uh, and and that, that was being focused in the Treasury for the last few weeks. And, and just in terms of the interest rate cut and how it might relate to the government spending £600 billion, the headlines today suggested of spending on infrastructure. Now, of course, we know, you know investment spending is very different uh, from you know, continuing day-to-day spending in terms of its impact on the economy, as we've been discussing with the, Adam Marshall at the British Chambers of Commerce. Um, but will this, uh, this interest rate cut, will that enable that spending to go ahead more cheaply? In which case, is it you know, the ideal time uh, to be investing in our infrastructure? Well, the key here, I suppose, is that for governments, it is possible to borrow very cheaply um, indeed at the moment. And that, that's separate from the interest rate cut that the Bank of England has, has announced today. But you know, on the markets, um, it is possible for governments to borrow very cheaply. It does give them uh, more flexibility, more freedom than would normally be the case. And in particular, there is freedom for investment spending. I don't think the government can be completely complacent about the overall position of the budget, not so much in this year, but in you know, with, because of coronavirus, but in future years, because of the uh, you know, public borrowing is likely to be pretty high, and if debt is rising, then that could be a problem in the long term. But there is definitely there is definitely an opportunity to do more infrastructure spending. Uh, and you know, we're going to hear more about how they're going to do okay. that in the next four or five years. And just finally, I'm sure you'll join me in wishing Nadine Doris, your former colleague on the Tory benches, the uh, Health Minister, well, uh, recovering from coronavirus. Very much so. I hope she makes uh, a, a quick and, and strong recovery uh, and that uh, I think everybody will be wishing her well. Of course, she's not only a, a, a minister, but she's a former nurse as well. So... Uh, um, uh, I think you know her expertise in the department. I'm sure would be you know, very much welcomed once she's uh, made a, a, a quick and full recovery. I hope. Uh, David Gork, thank you so much for joining us, former Justice Secretary, former Chief Secretary of the Treasury. Talk Radio Breakfast with Julia Hartley Brewer and the Times. Be well informed. But perhaps the biggest news uh, coming out today in terms of the economy is already out. Bank of England uh, just under an hour ago announced an interest rate cut from 0.75% as the base rate to 0.25%. Now, there was an expectation there would be an interest rate cut outside of the, the normal sort of scheduled meetings of the Monetary Policy Committee a few weeks hence. Uh, and uh, to talk of another of a quarter percent coming off down to half a percent, a uh, full half a percent down to quarter of a percent. Um, we spoke to markets commentator David Buick a little bit earlier. And Matt, look, it does help people with mortgages only variable mortgages, of course, helps businesses, some of their payments, a bit easier. Also, cheaper government borrowing. Um, as far as you're aware, James Stockey, is this the sort of thing, this will be, although the Bank of England is independent, this, there would have been discussions with the Treasury about this and about this announcement coming just a matter of hours before the budget. I mean, having never worked in the Treasury, I couldn't say for sure exactly how that works, but I think it's quite clear the government has been in close talks with the Bank of England um, and there's been signals that they know that the... I think we're, it's almost certain we're going to see later today in the budget help for businesses. Um, and it, I think it was signalled by the Bank of England that they were well aware that they had to play their role 
in helping the country get through what what could be a difficult time financially, economically. Uh, and, and Connor, Pope, uh, you know, th- this is going to be a lot of help for a lot of people, but also mm. it's going to be a lot of people who are hurt by this. Savers, m- fixed rate mortgage holders, not millions of people not going to see a penny of this benefit. Absolutely, and and what we've seen with the the crashing global financial markets over the past few days does mean that actually people are more worried about those kind of things at the moment. We're clearly not th- uh, through the woods on on that yet, and I feel that that could definitely uh, turn into something worse over the coming months. So actually, I think a lot of people will be very worried about this. But I think the big message from the Treasury today will be that this is, you know, obviously linked to their plans for borrowing for infrastructure and how much that will cost the country in the long term. And so actually, I think they'll be very pleased with this indeed. OK, thank you very much indeed. Well, let's turn our attention to something else that the government's had to contend with in the last few days. Uh, and that is a backbench rebellion by Tory MPs over Huawei. Uh, a number of MPs voted against the government in an amendment yesterday on basically uh, stopping Huawei having uh, ongoing involvement. Uh, this is a Chinese company, of course, in the role out of the 5G network. Let's talk to Tobias Elwood now, who's chair of the Defence Select Committee and a Conservative MP, and joins us now. Good morning to you. Good morning. Good morning. I mean, like the government, with a majority of 80, they were always going to win uh, that rebellion, but it's the first rebellion of a new parliament. Uh, backbench rebels flexing their muscles. Uh, they did cut, uh, certainly did cut the, uh, the government's uh, majority on that issue. And they've also made it very clear they have no intention of backing down and there will be more attempts in the future. No, and I think that's absolutely quite right. I think as MPs become, and indeed Britain becomes wiser as to the direction of travel that China wants to go, this is a country that, you know, in our lifetimes will become, you know, larger than the United States from an economic, technological and military perspective. Uh, and they actually have a very different outlook onto a free market liberal economy. And that's been reflected in how they utilize Huawei, which is obliged to uh, share its data with Chinese intelligence. So to, under yes, under Chinese it. law, they, like other big companies, are required to do that. And absolutely right. And you then have to ask yourselves, do we want them then uh, involved in our critical national infrastructure? Now, according to the, our agencies, our intelligence services, their contribution to the rollout of 5G is such that they're not involved in the core, the, you know, the, the technical parts of that. But Parliament has made it very clear that in the longer term, we need to wean ourselves off. And that was a very powerful message. And I think the government needs to look very, very carefully at this, uh, that it needs to expedite the process to make sure as we look forward in an exciting time of, of 5G rollout, um, that we actually become reliant on Western partnerships. Uh, and so we, we do need to get our skates on here. And that's quite right that the message was heard loud and clear. Yeah. I mean, and the government said, you know, they, they'd looked at all the options and the basic the argument was that there wasn't a, a Western uh, alternative either in Europe or, or in the States. And there wasn't any alternative. And if we wanted to do this uh, cheaply and quickly, it had to be Huawei. And I think a lot of people are absolutely stunned that there hasn't been that sort of technological development and uh, of, of a company that can rival Huawei delivering this. And, and, and this and this is the message, surely, that these rebels were pointing out. You know, we, we, we can't just say, oh, yeah, no, yeah, there's no one in the West can do it, so we'll just have to give it to a company that is beholden to the Chinese government, who, who are, in lots of ways, a hostile state. Well, you're absolutely right. But there are companies out there. But you're right, this is a, a legacy here. While we've been involved in Britain from, you know, 2G, 3G, they have a close relationship with uh, BT. There are other companies out there. I mean, Nokia, Ericsson, for example, there's Samsung and, and NEC, but, but both those last two companies are not allowed to operate outside of their own states, outside of Japan, 
and uh, Korea. Now, what we need to do is invite those to say, please, can you operate uh, internationally? And then we don't have to have the reliance on Huawei. But the reason why the rollout of licenses are is that you don't want to be reliant on any single company, even if it's Ericsson or Nokia. You don't know what the future of those companies will then be. So this is why this 35% cap has been, been come in. But absolutely, the, the government is listening, I think, carefully to this. There will be further opportunities, and uh, this is you touched on this at the beginning, for, uh, I think, a rebellion of, of some form, a, a uh, de- decision to be taken to say, let's move us away. I myself, the Defence Select Committee, will be doing an inquiry into uh, the actual security of our 5G networks. Uh, but I think the nation itself would be far more, uh, I think, uh, uh, concerned if we were to continue this long-term relationship. Um, and the government indicated last night that they are looking to wean ourselves off the use of Huawei. Yeah, indeed. I mean, again, we know that there's there been some question marks about why America has refused to use Huawei and whether those concerns are more as of Trump, Trump's battles with China and also boosting American companies. But again, Australia, huge amount of trade with China, uh, and and yet they have themselves also refused to use Huawei as well. Great uh, example. Great yeah, example exactly. of that. I visited, I visited, it's worth making this point, I visited Australia and learned about Huawei from them. They're decision to not include Huawei did not affect their trade. So we can do this without actually having a longer term impact. But there's also you know, a level playing field. Yeah. You've got these telecoms giants from China that are, get state funding. They come along and operate in Europe. But Amazon, you know, uh, eBay and so forth, Facebook, are they allowed to operate in China under the same rules? No, they're not. So we do need to make sure that when we're working with China, that we stand up for our, our you know, liberal free market economy. Absolutely. Uh, just finally, I must ask you about your colleague on the Conservative benches, Nadine Dorries. Uh, she, of course, is the health minister who's been diagnosed with coronavirus. She's now self-isolating at home. Uh, she has, of course, been in the House of Commons, been in the Department of Health, even attended receptions in Number 10 Downing Street. Big concern that uh, uh, she may have uh, spread the virus unwittingly to, uh, to many of your colleagues. Is there now a concern about whether or not the House of Commons really should be remaining open? Some talk that UMPs, given how many people you meet, given how much you travel around the country, that you may well be the country's super spreaders. Well, (laughs) I hope we're not labelled with that. She was doing her duty as a health minister. Really sorry to see she's got this, but her and tweets... Say, say that she's actually self-isolating uh, as well. She's actually, I understand, recovering from this. It's a great example that uh, uh, not everybody is going to be affected by it. You know, the, the actual seriousness of this. And unfortunately, it's related to underlying health issues. That's why the elderly are far more uh, vulnerable because of this. But ultimately, she's taken the right precautions herself. I absolutely, going back to the fundamental point, I think the Parliament must remain open. We must find cleverer ways of making sure that we can hold government to account. The idea that we should, some, the parliament should be defeated by this when it remained open, let's say, during the Second World War, uh, we need to look carefully to make sure that we do not spread the virus unwittingly, as you say, but ultimately the job of parliament can continue. OK, thank you very much indeed. Tobias Elwood there, Chair of the Defence Select Committee, Conservative MP. Talk Radio Breakfast with Julia Hartley-Brewer. Weekday mornings from 6.30 on Talk Radio. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. It's that time of the year. 
Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Uh, well, let's turn our attention back here. The chair of the British Medical Association GPs Committee, Dr. Richard Vautry, joins us now. Good morning to you. Good morning. Good morning. Well, just hearing what's going on in Italy, and obviously lots of minds are being focused by Nadine Doris, the health minister, uh, being diagnosed with coronavirus. Uh, it's poorly at home right now, self-isolating. Um, a lot of people looking at Italy and thinking, well, that's where we're going to be in a couple of weeks' time. Are we running on the, the same sort of uh, lines of, 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 of number of infections and, and, and number of, uh, of cases? Um, do you think that that is what we're doing or, or, or is the, the disease panning out differently here in the UK? Have we managed to get it more under control than Italy did? Uh, well, we do appear to have uh, lower numbers than not just Italy, but Germany and France and other comparable countries. But I think we shouldn't be complacent. I think we need to prepare uh, for situations like Italy or other countries. Um, and we need to learn from what's happened in those countries. It may well be different um, um, in the UK, um, but nevertheless, um, for practices um, in communities um, and hospitals are getting ready for the potential upsurge in cases uh, over these next few weeks. Yeah, I mean, th- this is the thing that there is some thought that actually, in think about what happened horribly wrongly in, in Italy, was they simply didn't realise for two or three weeks that there had been an infection and it was left to spread out throughout the community and hitting their very elderly population, 23% uh, elderly population, highest in Europe, that, uh, that, that that's why we've seen such a high death rate there. Uh, in terms of the sort of the battle that seems to be going on, um, in, 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 I think in public, public life, private life, social media, everywhere, about how quickly we move to some of the more drastic measures. Uh, Where are you at the BMA? Because um, there is so much discussion about, you know, whether we should be acting sooner rather than later, you know, closing down Parliament, uh, stopping football matches, big gatherings, asking people to to isolate at home, or whether or not actually the concern, I think the Chief Science Officer was making this uh, in a press conference earlier this week, that, you know, you can't, people can't uh, self-isolate for months on end, and therefore you you have to save these drastic measures for when you really need them. Where, where do you stand on that? Uh, well, we're very much following the advice of experts, um, public health uh, bodies uh, and the, the national um, experts who are providing uh, guidance and following sort of the um, experience in other countries. Uh, I think clearly um, I think there's a difference between um, you know, large public gatherings out in the open air um, and um, larger gatherings sort of, you know, within confined spaces. Uh, but nevertheless, um, you know, we need to ensure that people take those basic healthcare uh, protections, sort of, you know, which is washing your hands and avoiding sneezing, sort of, you know, um, in um, in areas where you're going to be uh, putting others at risk. Uh, so I think it's it's trying to take those sensible precautions that each and every one of us can do 
um, and that will help to limit the spread sort of across the country. Um, and in terms of, um, of our tracking and our tracing of, of people, we, we've seen that the government's announced today they're going to upscale the number of tests that can be carried out in a day. Currently it's been sort of 1,500 a day. It's going to be upgraded to uh, um, uh, far, far more than that, to 10,000. I mean, these are sort of huge numbers. We know uh, countries like uh, like South Korea, Japan, they've been doing a lot of testing. And I want to know, how, how vital, how crucial is it that we test given that we are now past the attempt to you know, contain, say, you know, five people who've got the virus and being able to sort of trace back who they've spoken to and, and, and advise those people, given that we are now looking at the hundreds and very soon we will be in the thousands, no one is thinking it's not going to be in the thousands in a matter of weeks. Um, what is the point of, of carrying out more tests? What does that do in terms of treatment and, and how does it help uh, limit the spread of the virus? Yeah, testing is very important, and it's one of the things that we've done well um, compared with some other countries, and I think we need to step up the testing sort of rather than reduce it. Uh, it helps us to track the infection. Uh, it also gives confidence to those people who think they may have symptoms as to whether they have actually got that infection and then enables them to get back to work uh, or, or other activities sort of you know, that bit quicker once they've got the all clear uh, from a negative test. Uh, but it does enable us to focus the attention sort of on those parts of the country or, or particular communities very, very quickly, sort of if we've got sort of rapid testing sort of in place. So it continues to be a really important weapon um, against this infection spreading. Absolutely. Well, thank you very much indeed for joining us, Dr Richard Vautry, Chair of the British Medical Association's GP's Committee there. Talk Radio Breakfast with Julia Hartley-Brewer. Weekday mornings from 6.30 on Talk Radio. Uh, first up, though, uh, let's uh, talk about, well, uh, all those Brits, 20,000 to 40,000. No one knows quite how many uh, Brits are stranded in Italy after the country went into a total lockdown, an Italian-style lockdown that involves people still being able to move around, go to work and uh, go to the bar as long as it's before 6pm, rather bizarrely, but nevertheless uh, facing difficulty getting home. Let's uh, talk to uh, uh, Lisa Francesca Nand, uh, who is the uh, presenter of the Big Travel Podcast and joins us now. Good morning to you, Lisa. Good morning. Um, we speak once again about the, the, the woes that people are facing. Now, we've got 140 Brits currently who've been on that quarantine cruise ship in California. They're now finally on a flight home uh, to Britain to uh, hopefully for safety, although no doubt for quarantine for quite a, a few more weeks to come. Lots of lots of Brits on holiday in Italy, not just in the ski resorts in the north, which previously weren't affected by the quarantine, but maybe uh, places like Rome, Milan, Venice, uh, now under full quarantine. Um, how are they going to get home, given that so many of the airlines, British Airways, Ryanair, EasyJet have cancelled all their flights. I suppose walking isn't a good uh, option, no. but um, they will they will get home. Um, they have cancelled, all flights have been cancelled, but I do think that some airlines, from what I can tell, some airlines uh, have emergency uh, services in place because there will be personnel that still have to fly. Uh, even though the Foreign Office have said all the emergency travel, you know, there will still be emergency travel. Um, so there will be flights going, but I don't think it's obviously not going to be the flight they were booked on and they might have to wait a few days, which is when... when when you really want to get out of a country is obviously going to be very stressful. Yeah, indeed. I and mean, I, I know some people who are saying, well, you know, they just arrived on a holiday, told it was fine, you know, everything's still going ahead. They weren't in the uh, uh, the zone that was uh, uh, quarantined until the, uh, the whole country was put under quarantine a couple of days ago. Um, and, and yet uh, they, they've, got, they've got their holidays curtailed. What rights do they have? I mean, even if they can get home easily, what rights do they have uh, for compensation? Well, they should hopefully in this place, because the, the good thing now for anyone due to go to Italy or anyone stuck, unfortunately stuck in Italy is now that the Foreign Office have said it's on lockdown, don't go there. Now they've got all the rights in the world. Previously, if you had a holiday booked last week and you went on it, 
um, you wouldn't have been entitled to any repatriation because um, the Foreign Office had said it's still okay to go to vast swathes of the South. It was only that little part in the northern. In Wait the a second, part. you wouldn't have been entitled even. I mean, even no. once the non the, the, the Foreign Office advice changed. Uh, once the foreign yes, once the foreign office advice has changed, you're okay. But before oh, that, okay. if yeah. you if you choose not to travel yourself because you're understandably worried about it, and lots of people I know are choosing to cancel trips, not just to Italy but to other places. No, there, there's no um, compensation if it's in the if you're lucky enough to have it in your travel insurance. You you know it, but you know what travel insurance is like. But otherwise, it's counted as disinclination to travel, mm. even if you know you're you're afraid of the numbers because right. the numbers are rising. But you in should Spain, in you, Greece in France. Well, and, and here as well. So a lot of people are, you know, are cancelling. But no, until the Foreign Office says you can't come, then you can't come. And it's wider, actually. I was just reading this morning that India has said it's cancelling all visas for visitors from France, Germany and Spain. So I can only imagine that the UK will probably be ne- next on that list. And of course, India to UK, uh, you know, will affect a lot of people who want to travel to India for all sorts of reasons. Yeah, absolutely. I think, yes, we, we have a lot of people I know talk about how well they've got plans in, the, in a month or two's time and they're assuming it's going ahead. Uh, I've got a holiday booked in August. I'm thinking, mm, hopefully that's further enough down the line. But I, I think again, a lot of these flights simply aren't going to be happening, are they? Lisa, Francesca and Andrew, who's a a presenter of the Big Travel Podcast. Thank you very much indeed. Thanks for listening to the Julia Hartley Brewer Daily. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe and give me a good review. And don't forget to catch me on the Talk Radio Breakfast Show every weekday from 6.30 until 10. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.